Uh, Daniel Lowndes is one of our elders and has been faithfully serving in, in everything in that for a long time. You've got to hear him preach before, but he's going to bring the word of God for us this morning. So yeah. I'm just going hand to hand it to you. If you want to pray, you can, but I'm just handing it off right I will. now. It would be good to pray. You know, I, uh, as Mark mentioned, um, we're, we're in the middle of a, a sermon series called Build. And um, if you're new with us, welcome. Welcome live streamers as well. And we're in our third kind of run at the topic of community, right? So two, two sermons have been preached already on this topic. And as I was preparing for this, thinking through, okay, what can I add? How can I be helpful? I was talking to one of my fellow elders this week, and I said, hey, man, I, I could just use some prayer um, as we're preparing. And he's like, hey, let me tell you something. And I'm like, oh, get some encouragement, maybe some affirmation, maybe a word from the Lord. And he goes, hey, Ryan's sermon last week was amazing. So you've got a tough act to follow. <laughs> and I'm sitting on the phone. Is this for real? But it's totally true. If this doesn't do it for you, go back and listen to last week's again. It was great. Okay, it was great. It was great. Um, no, but we, we are going to be tackling uh, community again today. I would like to start off by prayer or with praying again. So would you please join me? Um, God, I love that last song as we called upon your Holy Spirit to fill this room. Um, God, I, I just, I want to lay down all the thoughts and notes that I've put together at your feet, God. Um, I pray that you would be glorified by what gets done here this morning. And I pray that you're glorified by transformed lives and hearts that increase in a passion for you. Um, and God, I pray that you would move us more closely of what it means to be the body of Christ, loving and serving one another with our gifts, and that we could um, experience you in new ways in community. So would you go before us, God? We need you. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we're only a few months in to marriage. A really exciting time for my wife and I. We had uh, just got through college we just uh, endured the wedding. Uh, we moved in together. There's a lot of firsts for us. And on that list was we got to join a community group together. Our first one is a married couple, right? Big deal. So um, we go to the church. Hey, tell us who's meeting and when. We get the list. We find one right around the corner from us. Awesome. And a very convenient time for us. So even extra plus. Although we never said it, I think... Being 22 years old and newly married, we had some expectations of what we wanted out of our community group, right? We would love some other young married couples there, right? Because that'd be good just to share stories and like struggles. And even a bonus, maybe there's an older couple there that's super wise and can come alongside us and help mediate some things. Even better, right? That would be awesome. So we're excited. We're going to show up to this small group. We show up, bang, right on time. And we get greeted by Jeremy. And Jeremy was amazing. Single guy, okay. Uh, successful entrepreneur, cool apartment. Hey, we're down so far, you know, Jeremy's leading, but Jeremy seems cool. So let's keep going. And as more and more people filtered in, we started meeting people, got into some appetizers, sat down in the living room, became uh, aware of a few things right, right away. One, we were the youngest people in that room by about 10 years, okay? Second, we were the only married couple in that room. 
And not only were the only married couple, we were the only couple. Okay, so we're sitting in a room with 30-something young single professionals. And we just graduated college, newly married. And the best part about it was, is the sermon series that we were going through. Okay, the sermon series was based on relationships, marriage, and intimacy within marriage, studying through the book of Song of Solomon. Okay? Awesome. So we're sitting there, and all of this is slowly like sinking in about the environment my wife and I are in now. And I think at that time, we became pretty resolved. Hey, let's get through this conversation. Okay? We'll be polite. We'll contribute a bit. We'll pray. Maybe even offer up a prayer request. But this is probably not the group that's going to meet our needs in this season. So here's the question that we need to answer this morning. What does healthy Christian community look like? What does healthy Christian community look like? And we're going to see first in, in asking that question, question if anyone else in the Bible or any of the churches in the Bible asks that question. And the first church that comes to mind is the Corinthian church. And the letters in First and Second Corinthians is really a Q&A session between this church and their pastor, Paul. Okay? A couple things to set up the church in Corinth. One, this is a new church plan. Okay? The gospel has just been released. Jesus raised from the dead. Missionaries go out. And new converts are being made. So this is a church made up of a lot of new believers. Second, Corinth was a crazy place. A very hyper-spiritual place. A lot of religions, cults, theologies, temples, idols, everywhere. This was in the water of what it means to live in Corinth, okay? So imagine a really hyper-spiritual place. And it was a diverse cult, uh, church as well. Um, rich, poor, ethnically diverse, socially diverse. So you got a lot of folks. And you read through these, this book, there's some crazy stuff happening in this church. Crazy stuff. And we're going to jump into that crazy a bit. Uh, if you have your Bibles, please join with me, 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to be verses 1 through 7, and we're going to slowly make our way through those verses um, and see what God might do, have for us here, uh, there. So, 1 Corinthians, we're going to start in verses 1 through 3, chapter 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that you were pagans, and you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Okay, so Paul gets right after it. You can tell the tone as he starts this off. Now concerning spiritual gifts. This is a new question he's tackling. And it's a question about spiritual gifts. And how spiritual gifts got super sideways in this church particularly the gift of speaking in tongues, okay? Um, if you can imagine uh, speaking in tongues in a hyper-spiritual context was a very popular thing and uh, maybe controversial thing to do. There was a lot of power and value associated with this spiritual gift. And so as Paul begins to diagnose what's happening, he begins with their context and where they came from. He says, hey, you know that you were pagans and you were led astray by mute idols, however you were led. So these Christians were taking external cultural values of what it meant to be in community and importing them into the church, okay? 
external cultural values around spiritual power, about what strength and health looked like, and imported them into the church. And it's distorting what God intended the church to do. And so Paul's job now is to begin to unstick this a bit and realign cultural values around community for the church, okay? He makes quick work of the, spirit, of the speaking and tongue singing. He gives them a real helpful practical test, right? Pastors sometimes can get way super up high and uh, ethereal, and then sometimes they need to get super pragmatic. Paul does that. Here's a test. He says, therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God can say Jesus is accursed. So apparently, some, at some point during the church service, someone's standing up saying Jesus is accursed. That's pretty crazy. Um, and he feels the need to clarify that no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so we're making quick work of what is really of God and what is not. And so... We can, even in this, deduce a couple things happening at this church right now. The Corinthians have valued a few gifts from a variety of sources for selfish gain. The Corinthians valued a few gifts or a few aspects within the church from a variety of sources and cultural contexts for selfish gain. Okay? And here's how Pastor Paul addresses that. Moving on to verses 4 through 6. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There's a variety of service, but the same Lord. And there's a variety of activities, but the same God, who empowers them all in every one. So how does Paul begin to unstick this distortion and realign them with Christian community and what God intended well, instead of only focusing on a few gifts or valuing a few gifts, Paul uses the word variety three times in a list. There's a variety. There's a variety of gifts, a variety of ministries, and a variety of services and or effects, okay? What it means to be the people of God, there's variety and diversity among us, how we come to the Lord, what our backgrounds are, and how we're gifted and oriented to serve one another. It's diverse. This is good. This is good. And in the midst of its variety, it finds its source in one person, not multiple. We see that after all three times, Paul roots the gifts in the Holy Spirit, the ministries in the Lord, and the activities and effects, and effects in God. Variety of gifts, one source, one person that that comes from. What do we get here? We get unity around this person, God, unity around him, and yet not uniformity, not the same thing everywhere we go. We get unity without uniformity. So how do we gather as a church at Creekside today, and what does that have to do with us? Okay, so when we call you to community, be a part of Creekside Church hey, come to church on a Sunday, okay? You're here, check, good job. Second, you're gonna get hit up for, hey, you should join a gospel community. You should join a group of folks trying to serve and follow Jesus um, outside of this day so, so we can do life together, okay? So gather on Sundays, scattered throughout the week in gospel communities. But let's not be foolish 
to think that we also don't take external value systems of what healthy community is and import them into Sunday and import them into our gospel communities. And so I'm going to be a little bold here and, and say some things and then back it up with some arguments. My hope, though, is that as we go through maybe how this plays out here, Paul's words of wisdom on what healthy community looks like can be applied to us. Okay? So the Corinthian church distorted its community through the overemphasis of power, spiritual power in, in their gifts. The church today distorts community by making our felt needs the priority. I'll say it again. The Corinthian church distorted community by overemphasizing spiritual power. The church today can distort community by making our felt needs the priority to define what community should look like, okay? Why would you say felt needs, Daniel? I mean, that's a little presumptuous. Let me take a shot at this and see if I can get your buy-in. Everything around us is telling us to simply do what is best for you. You do you. You've heard this before, maybe. You do you. How do I know this? Like, we are the children of the Enlightenment. The Enlightenment, quick history, 17th, 18th century, uh, thinkers were rebelling against an overbearing government, and the rise in thinking came up and says, no, 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 you decide what's best, not them. You determine what's right for you. You decide what you want and what is good, and you pursue that. It, ultimate truth and highest authority comes from inside of you out. And over hundreds of years, here we are today, still saying you do the hobbies you want to do. Hey, you define relationships that you want to be in. You define the interests that you want to be in. And even so much as you define how you want to be identified. Like, that is all you. All you. You start with you. Okay? Now, some of us engage in various aspects of that. I don't want to say we're all there. But that is the culture we live in, right? This is what we're constantly being told. You do you and do what's right for you. And I, I can't help but think that this is distorting some of the ways in which we gather here on Sunday and in gospel communities. And I've got three ways I want to look at on how we can tend to distort Christian community um, through the elevation of our felt needs. And I'm, I'm going to uh, use and paraphrase some thoughts from my buddy Bill Clem, who wrote a book called Disciple. And here's three distortions that we can make in Christian community. The first distortion is distortion of Christian community as therapy. Distortion of Christian community as a network and distortion of Christian community as a program. Okay, Christian community therapy, Christian community as network, and Christian community as a program. And I'm hoping as we kind of sort through some of these thoughts, that's going to be helpful for us to see where we gravitate towards and how we can further lean into what God intended for us, okay? So let's get started. Uh, Christian community as therapy. Um, hmm. So I was a pastor in Portland, and I was, uh, uh, for a few years, a what we called a biblical living pastor. And what that was, was I was, a, I was a pastor over all of our care ministries, recovery ministries, counseling ministries. Pr like, you needed prayer, you needed the hospital visit. I was kind of in the spot where I was raising up leaders to do that and meeting some of these needs within the church which was an amazing, uh, amazing gift. I, some of the most powerful experiences of the Holy Spirit were in those moments, especially when you're in a group of people. We led something called redemption groups. 
people addicted to substances and or porn, uh, addicted to um, abuse, abusive relationships, addicted to or abuse themselves. Um, maybe their marriage is falling apart. I mean, all sorts of things. And the mess gets brought in and we start talking. The gospel gets preached and healing's happening. Freedom's happening. All these amazing things. And maybe some of you guys have experienced some of this. It's powerful to see God move in and through some really deep-seated wounds and sin in your life. That is a part of Christian community, yes. But here's what was happening. The same people would be coming back. I want to do it again. I want to do it again. I want to do it again. I want that experience. And so we had to use some language around, listen, um, redemption groups, recovery groups, care groups, that intense soul-searching um, gospel-applying season, that is a season. We use the language, this is a rest stop on the highway of the larger Christian community because it's easy to fixate on those things. And listen, if you're counselor type, shepherd type, this is kind of where you tend to fit and gravitate in the larger church. And this is how I think we can over-evaluate or over-emphasize this particular uh, aspect of Christian community is therapy. It's self-centered versus other-oriented. And it's kind of dependent on pain and sin to be in the group. If you're not like struggling with sin or there's not some deep wound, what are you going to say in the group? And so joy, blessing, freedom uh, was hard to deal with. Well, not hard, but it, it felt a little out of sorts in that environment, right? And so uh, let's view uh, Christian community as therapy in its rightful place. And Jesus meets that need for us in that he is our righteousness and our healing so that we can be poured out for others. And so Jesus actually uses you in the midst of your brokenness for others. Like you don't have to have it all together for Jesus to use you. Your marriage doesn't have to be perfect to serve another marriage. Now we want that and we're going to pursue that, but it doesn't have to be there for Christian community to be healthy and good, okay? Distortion number two, gospel community as network. Now, um, I don't work at the church. I've got a different job. I'm in business. Um, I've, uh, and part of that at times is going to my favorite thing, which are networking meetings. Uh, if you've ever been to a network meeting, they're awful. Don't go, um, especially don't go by yourself. Um, but I've done this multiple times. You've got your pocket full of business cards and you walk into the room. Then you got to start looking around and say, okay, the, the, the whole goal is I need to meet someone that can maybe give me some business or a contact. And I need to also be willing to like make a contact, email them back, all this other stuff. Um, the, the whole goal, though, is that we can meet each other's needs in a networking environment. Uh, uh, community, a distortion of community as network would be healthy community is only when people can leverage individual strengths or connections to be mutually beneficial for those in the group. Here's the challenge when we define Christian community as just a good network of people. And it is. It is a good network of people. But when you enter into Christian community with a network mentality, you're valuing what you can get and what you can give. It becomes very, in some ways, pragmatic. Um, you can tend to avoid like weakness and like vulnerability in a networking environment. Like how weird would it be if I walked into my networking meeting and I was like, hi, my name's Daniel and I'm struggling with depression. And sometimes I don't wanna get out of bed. Can I have your business card? Like. That's kind of weird. That's kind of weird. 
No, 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 no. You tell me how you can help. I'll tell you how I can help, and then we move on. That's not, that's not family. That's networking, okay? And God has built us for family, not networking. It tends to be pragmatic versus empathetic. So you're in your group, and, you're, and you finally get up the courage to say, hey, our marriage isn't doing so well. Actually, we're fighting a lot. And a networking pragmatic approach might be, ooh, okay, thanks for the need. We're going to hook you up with a pastor, and we're going to hook you up with a counselor and get that taken away. Because I know a good one, and our pastor's pretty good. We're going to get you hooked up right away. Okay? Pragmatic, done. Meet the need. But when it lacks empathy, so Christian community is not about resourcing issues. It's also about, hey, in if you'd be more comfortable for us to be there with you, we'd love to do that. Can, can we pray with you right now and lay hands? Can you tell us what's going on? What, what do you think is going on? Like, and the Christian community draws near with empathy and not just pragmatism, okay? Networking is all about pragmatism and getting things done. And that's not what God meant ultimately to encompass what Christian community is. Bill Clem actually writes on this point, community means that we're willing to go the pace of the slowest sheep, based on, mm, this is good, based on Jesus' willingness to step down on our behalf. So Romans 5 actually says, when you were st still weak, Christ died for you at the right time. You had nothing to offer him when he died for you. He just loved you. That's not a network. It's family. And so please, when, when you see your brothers and sisters hurting, you see needs arise, Let's, let's figure out maybe some solutions, but don't detach it from the relationship, okay? Walk with them, walk through them. Jesus steps down from his throne in heaven to be with us. We do that for each other in healthy Christian community, okay? Lastly, uh, Christian community as a program. Um, actually, one more thing on the networking thing, and, and I want to give some props to some, just some things here, right? Tough year, right? Yes, tough, tough year. Um, distance learning. I've got three little kids. There was no school. We chose to do homeschooling this past year, and it has been a dream. It's not. It's not been a dream. It's a lie. Um, dude, distance learning is super hard. <laughs> um, I'm working from home. My wife has shouldered most of it. I'm not going to pretend that like, oh yeah, no, she, she has shouldered most of it, okay? Um, and there's been uh, and a lot of our families in our gospel community and around the church have also like waded into these waters, okay? What I've loved about watching this play out though um, and helping to participate where I can is the network, I'm gonna start with the word network, but the community and network of moms that have come together to help get each other's back and to lean in maybe on topics or ways in which they're naturally oriented has been amazing. They are meeting each other's needs. They're taking on certain topics and subjects and art projects and science projects together. It's very helpful. But what's meant this, what has translated to Christian community is those days when they're struggling and someone needs to get a Starbucks drink to that house, okay? Someone needs to pray for that mom who's exhausted and on the edge of tears. That is what we transition from network to family. When we say, yes, I'm going to come over. I'm going to draw near. I'm going to, hey, send your kids to my house today. Okay, I'm going to take care of your kids today. You, that, that is how that works out in healthy Christian family. Okay, all right. 
Here we go. Last one. We kind of distort, we do distort Christian community as program often, often. Um, Christian community as program would be stated like this. Healthy community only exists within programmed events put together by wise and mature Christians and pastors for us to participate in. Okay? So this is where um, we get really down in the weeds on like informational good programs for us to learn and grow in. Good, good things? Yes. Very good things. Very good things. But when your Christian community exists of a start time, a series of questions and or teaching, and an end time, and that's it, that's not healthy Christian community. That is a segment of it, but it is informational versus transformational. Okay? I'm constantly tinkering with business culture, cultural ideas as I lead a team of, uh, in business and working out team dynamics constantly. And um, one, of, one of my favorite thinkers on these topics is a guy named Simon Sinek. And he recently had a post around how to build trust within your team. And um, he was essentially proposing the idea that trust isn't built during your meetings. Trust is built in between your meetings. Trust is built in the small talk before that meeting starts. Trust is built when that meeting's done and you're walking through the hallway and you say, hey, that really moved me when so-and-so said this, or I think I'm going to go try this thing. It's in between the meetings. And isn't that true about your friendships and your regular community? You don't have start and end times to conversations always. It's not so neat and tidy. It's actually kind of messy, right? And yet, when we say, I'm a part of church, I'm, you know, it's, that means I go here, I, I listen to these things, maybe I go to gospel community, I answer these questions, and we're done. And what we see, though, is relationships and conversations in healthy context happen uh, organically and in between the programs, Programs are good. Don't hear me say they're bad. Programs are very good. But it's not the fullness of what you were built for. You were built to interact with everyone in between doing life together. Okay? And so when we look at Jesus and his ministries, it seems like all the best stories is when he gets interrupted. Am I wrong? Like, think about he's teaching in the house, uh, a house full of folks, and, and three dudes rip a hole in the roof. Like, program interrupted program interrupted, and a paralyzed guy gets lowered through it, program interrupted, okay? Um, he's traveling and talking, and someone runs up to them because they've got a demon, or someone else has a demon, and Jesus needs to go address that and love them. A woman touches the edge of his cloak while he's trying to teach, and everyone's constantly trying to, like, keep the program intact. We got a schedule. We got an agenda. Get these people away so Jesus can do his thing. And all, in my opinion, all the best stories is when that gets absolutely interrupted, the Holy Spirit moves powerfully in that moment. Someone gets healed, freed from sin, or experienced how loved they are by their father. Okay, Christian community can get distorted when it's just a program. Don't settle for that. Don't settle for just this. I know this sermon is awesome, but, but, but this is just a fraction of what God made you for in Christian community. Can you do the coffee date? Can you grab the beverage after hours? Can you do um, the, 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 hey, come over for dinner. I know my house is a mess, but let's get to know each other thing, okay? You don't have to have it all together. Christian community, though, is happening in between your programmed 
events. And so I want to call you to that. All right, so let's keep going here in uh, verse 7 is where we're going to, the last verse we're going to look at, and I'm going to try and connect some big ideas here and uh, uh, close this thing down. Verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. All right. The church is made up of broken people, uh, forgiven by God because of the cross, faith in the resurrected Christ, and then empowered by a, a, a power outside of you called the Holy Spirit. And in this room as Christians, we are all filled with the Holy Spirit and meant to serve with a power that is not our own for the purpose that is not necessarily meant to terminate on you, but others. Okay, and so if we're asking the question, what does healthy community consist of? Could it not be that healthy community, that the short answer is focus on the one who is the source, the authority, and the head of what is to be defining your community, which is God. We say it another way. Maybe instead of Christian community being distorted by therapy, Christian community be distorted by networking or programs. Could we not say Christian community is worship? We get the clearest picture of what we are called and meant to be when we're not looking at those around us, we're not looking at those things inside of us, whether good or bad, but Christian community as worship means those things take secondary place because I am focused, I want to see and hear from God. And so I'm showing up to my gospel community because I want to hear and see from God. And we worship it's an act of worship. And what is that? We worship what we love. We worship what we love. Um, so as we look at community as worship, I'd like to invite you that, that maybe us getting together isn't meant to be about just your happiness, just your comfort, just your issues. Maybe, like we're coming in here and singing, Christian community could be about, I want God first. And in my pursuit of him, and if I'm sitting in a room with other people trying to go there, oh man, this Christian community, amazing. Because here's, here's the reality. Like I said, I'm in business. I can take a lot of these principles right now, tomorrow morning, Monday morning, and say, hey guys, there's a bunch of gifted people here. And we've got an important purpose to rally around. And I want all of you guys to use your gifts and abilities to get after it this week. It's month end. It's, it's, uh, we got a lot of stuff to get through. So you, you're good at this. You're good at this. You're good at this. Let's get together and do this, right? This is in some ways what you could see uh, this practically playing out as. That is not Christian community. But that's where a lot of us take some of this at times. Hey, you play a role, you play a role, you play a role, and let's do this. We forget about the one we're doing this for, through, and because of.
Him. Him. So Jeremy sits, uh, calls me after that super awkward first small group meeting. It's like, hey man, let's get coffee. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Sit down. So tell me what you think of the group. What do you think of the group? You going to stay around? And, and I'd, I kind of knew where this conversation was going. I kind of had it laid out. Hey man, look. So I run through a good legit list of reasons, bulletproof in my mind, as to why we'd be checking out some other groups. And maybe a lot of you are like, yeah, go check out another group. What, you have no business being in there. Because um, I, yeah. So I laid out, and, and what he did shocked me. What he did shocked me. He said, hey man, so I hear you. I totally get it. I understand. But what would it look like if you stayed? Because your experience and from what you guys are going through right now could be super helpful to a lot of us who don't have that. And we'd love to learn what you're bringing to the table and what you're going through to help us get there too. What? But I'm the new guy. Like, no. But I said, let's, I hear you, Jeremy. Thank you. I'll, I'll pray about it. Talk to Lori. You'll never believe what happened. They want us to stay. Um, she's like, yeah, well, let's pray. We prayed. We prayed. I'm like, you know what? Let's give it another shot. Let's give it another shot. Maybe, maybe we can be helpful to some people here, right? Oh, man. We went back. Um, fortunately, another married couple showed up shortly after us. Um, it's been 13 years. I've talked to four of those guys uh, in the last two weeks in different conversations. What God did in that group, because we didn't come just to get our needs met because we were a young married couple that like, would like some advice. What God did when we showed up to that group and stayed to say, God, I don't know why we're here. Use us if you want to use us. Oh, We cried tears together. We celebrated new life together. We spoke hard words to one another. We've experienced our darkest days together. <laughs> but most of all, we got to savor new depths of who God was because of those friendships. Because God was the point, not us. So Creekside Church, I, as we are thinking about this next season of tr what it means to be a, a church family together, I want to invite you and to call you to lay down what maybe some of your felt needs are for a moment. I'm not le delegitimizing those, but can you put those aside for a moment and think through what does it look like to get more of him in this next season as we gather together? The reality is, is there's some amazing Holy Spirit-filled people in this church. Amazing. What I know your, some of your backgrounds are, even in this room, but also just know how the Holy Spirit manifests and moves in each one of you for the common good is, is breathtaking, is breathtaking. And so some of you, I would like you to consider in what ways have you held back from community and using and exercising your gifts, and you need to repent of that. You need to say, God, I'm sorry I've been sitting on the sidelines. I want more of you, so I'm in. 
Some of you have, have been serving a lot, and we're so grateful for that. But maybe in that, you've overemphasized a particular aspect of what you think should, community should be, what we should rally around, what we should be like. We've overemphasized and distorted maybe that a bit. I invite you to repent and say, God, if I've missed you at anywhere in this, show me what that is. Lead me, love me in what this could look like. There are no shortages of opportunities to get plugged in at this church. Okay, we are going to need a ton of leaders in this next season because we expect God to do some amazing things in the coming months in this church. If you've ever thought about leading a gospel community, you need to come talk to us. Okay, please come talk to us. Um, we are, Mark just announced our need for opening up children's ministry at the 9 a.m. We just crossed that threshold, but it's probably a little uh, still compromised. If you've got the time and gifting and thought and desire to help, please come serve in children's ministry at nine o'clock. Okay, look, it, it can, can continue to get more practical, I promise. Well, there's no, the list can, continues. But here's where I, I want to end us, is um, the thought that whatever I do in participation in Creekside Church, whatever that looks like, and I'm calling you to participate, that it's not because we just want to have a cool church. It's because we want more of him. So I'm going to pray for us, and uh, the team's going to come up and sing one more song. Um, so would you, would you pray with me? Father, um, thank you for, uh, thank you for this, um, these verses in, in 1 Corinthians 12. God, I love this church so much, and I love to see what you continue to do through the people in this church. God, and, and I pray that as we continue to grow closer together in this time, that you would empower and embolden us to love each other really well. And maybe for those that have left this church, or maybe people that are in this church right now because they just left their church, God, I pray that you would move us to either pursue those that have left and draw near them and or consider ways in which um, we need to reconcile with one another at places we've left. Father, go before us. We need your grace. And I do pray among, uh, over anything else, this is about you and that we get more of you as we gather together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.